This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. On the mean streets of Gotham City, a new breed of supervillains emerges. But deep in the shadows, old school justice awaits. And the Batman, the Cape Crusader, returns in an all-new animated series. The Batman. You won't even see it coming. This is it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everybody, to episode 271 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. He's still here, or I guess it's now... Man, people, if people are listening to these episodes years from now in order, it's not a Twitter account anymore. It's an X account, apparently, <laughs> because that's what they are. That's what uh-huh. the powers that be have rebranded it as. Who knows if that's still the name of that site, if it even exists, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this 50 years from now, whatever now is. But <laughs> regardless, it's Liam. He's back for episode 271 of the program. Liam. It's the fifth Saturday of the month, and uh, after a landmark episode last week, just a a joy talking uh, to Mm -hmm. a very special guest correspondent about a very memorable episode of Batman the Animated Series, we asked ourselves, should we hang it up? Should we just walk off? Should we go out on a high note? But, uh, you know, we still like doing these things, and we have sponsors, so we had to come back (laughs) for another week. That's right. We are obligated to... Our, our many listeners, but more importantly, to our to our our sponsors, who our we, brands, who yes, our brands, which <laughs> you know we love, and whom we uh, took money in exchange to uh, plug their product for a certain amount of episodes within a single month. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we are back. <laughs> no, I kid, of course, but yes, as you mentioned, it's an Elseworlds. We're returning to a world we actually haven't visited as often as uh, I thought we did. Looking back over previous episodes, but you're returning to the world of the Batman, and we are talking about the episode Traction, uh, season one. Epi- well, here's a fun one. It's it's the second episode produced. It was the third episode to air, but either way, it's called Traction. And as we talked about last week, is uh, kind of a a secret little uh, accidental thirtieth uh, anniversary of the introduction of uh, the Bane Breaks Batman's Back storyline Nightfall into the comics. 
So we are back on the Bane train again this week. <laughs> As you so eloquently put it last week, we have Bane on the brain. So let's get that Bane train rolling. And uh, yeah, it is a uh, it is a is a fun and memorable one we had as we talked about last week. Uh, we had a good friend of the show, Kevin Altieri, on the on the program talking about the legendary Batman the animated series episode Bane. We talked uh, a lot about that. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that, I don't know what you're doing. Go back and uh, and take a listen. It's a lot of fun. Not only do we get some great insight about the whole process in adopt uh, in adapting that character just a year and a half or so after he had been introduced into main DC continuity, created basically and uh and then some of the reluctance that the the BTOS team had in it in adapting that character but then how they kind of found their way how they ended up embracing it uh what different things they enjoyed about it we even fantasy booked uh and looked at what it would have been Kevin gave us his opinion on what it would have looked like had they decided to go through with breaking Batman's back how that story would have played out uh, across the series of episodes and uh, a lot of fun, a lot of cool insight, some great behind the scenes stories as uh, as we always get when Kevin joins us on the program. But uh, go back and check that out. But uh, as we continue on the Bane train, Liam, as you mentioned, we are covering an episode of The Batman, which is called Traction. And uh, this episode originally aired back on September the 25th. 2004 and we briefly mentioned it last week's uh believe it or not we're coming up almost on the 20 year anniversary of the batman series Mm -hmm. debuting on the kids wb so uh, we anticipate maybe doing some more reviews next year in honor of its anniversary but in the meantime before we get started with our breakdown of this week's elseworld tale we will of course get the official imdb synopsis there is no other and it is brought to you by the pod tower head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower today and you can get some incredibly great content from a bunch of different dcau content creators including the entire tim talk catalog which features a rundown of each and every episode of the dcau from start to finish and a lot of great content in between not only that but the ongoing Watchtower Database Jump on the Batwagon podcast also finds its home there each and every week. New episodes, uh, I think almost weekly are posted on there. They occasionally have uh, some scheduling conflicts, but I'd say almost uh, on the nose weekly, you can find a new episode dropped there from from the uh, the good folks at Watchtower Database. And then not only that, but you also get our entire catalog as well, available in one convenient streaming place. That's right. Find your home at youtube.com slash the pod tower today. And please, please subscribe. That is right, Cal. So this is the synopsis for Traction, which was written by Adam Beechin. Directed by Sam Liu, uh, with music by Thomas Chase and animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Batman battles the masked criminal Bane, but once Bane activates his chemical steroid infusion, Batman finds himself outmatched by by brute strength. That's pretty good. I kind of like the adjectives that they used. Yeah. I didn't see anything wrong with that. That's a pretty good intro. I I give that a. I think I give that an A. That's wow. Pretty, yeah. 
maybe a B plus, but it's a, rare, it's a rarity on this one. But yeah, I think I think it, it, it's pretty succinct uh, as we can uh, we can jump into plot here, and that is something I think, especially in this first season of the Batman uh, plot. Not there's not no plot here. I don't want to insult uh, Adam Beechin, the writer of this episode, also a very prolific uh, comic book writer, has written some of the some Batman Beyond tie-in books, uh, as well as uh, had a run on Robin that I think is is pretty criminally underrated from the uh, the mid two thousands. But uh, so not 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 disparaging the writer, but this show, especially in this first season, it's about it's about action. And it's about toy tie-ins. Let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be real here. The Bat-Bot and the Bat-Wave and the Batmobile and all of that. That's uh, that's first and foremost in this episode. But advertising uh, and brands, you know? That's right, which we love. So. A toast to unbridled <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> that's right. But yes, as, uh, as we kick it off in a sort of secluded underground location, literally underground, uh, we see three uh, unnamed mob bosses kind of all lamenting how Batman has made life hell for them and how they're looking for a solution. And uh, actually, it's two of them are talking about that. And then the third mob boss walks in and uh, tells the first two that they have their solution. And we are introduced to a mysterious masked man uh, who promises that he has a way to uh, to stop the Batman for good. Why are we meeting here? Everyone knows he's attracted to shadows. Relax. The Batman thinks we split Gotham months ago. He dismantled my operation break by break. Took down all my men single-handedly. I can't even sleep nights. Batman. Huh? I know. He ruined me too. But you can kiss those worries goodbye. I uh, found a solution to our uh, problem. A mercenary. Volunteered for some physical enhancements in a secret lab deep in the Amazon. Wild, eh? Yeah, we got the money. We're in. Gentlemen, meet Bane. sure this guy can take down a Batman? Just because he wears a mask doesn't make him some kind of Superman. There is much more to me than meets the eye. Yeah, he's got a little Apple Watch, right? And he's gonna, <laughs> gonna dial up some. He's gonna dial up some trouble. No, of course not. He introduces himself, of course, as Bane, and uh, he he just kind of holds up his wrists and shows a shiny little object, which, of course, we will come to find out later on. Although I don't believe it's ever called by the name Venom. Uh, mm-hmm. It is indeed his his uh, his Venom serum that is uh, that is plugged into his wrists there. But uh, meanwhile, back at the Batcave, uh, we have uh, Bruce working on Chekhov's mech suit uh, for the episode. <laughs> uh, he's doing some experimentation. It's basically Tony Stark like. There's there's a, lot, a couple of homages in here to other forms of media that we'll talk about mm-hmm. plot wise. There's some stuff that's adapted uh, from the from the Nightfall story storyline uh, from the comics uh, and uh, and a couple of, or another homage that I that I discovered and pointed out uh, to you before we went on the air. But yeah. Yeah. So we get uh, we get Chekhov's mech suit and uh, Bruce is doing some experimentation working on a uh 
working on a mech suit, but uh, he uh, he unfortunately is listening to his music way too loud because he's a he's a young fella. This is year three, I believe. Of uh, say, yes, this ain't your dad's Batman. All right, he's cool. He listens to rock music. That's that's right. Uh, he uh, he has he has some blinders on too, and uh, uh, he's you know he's just kind of in the zone and doesn't happen to hear Alfred coming down, who is. Uh, who's carrying a, a fresh tray of food for Bruce and interrupts him. And uh, this causes Bruce to swing his arms wildly, which causes the robot arms, which are connected to the controls on Bruce's arms to knock Alfred down. Luckily, as uh, both uh, Alfred quoting Monty Python would say, tis merely a flesh wound as uh, it's nothing serious. Bruce uh, advises that he gets some medical help, but uh, Alfred happens to mention that his time, uh, I believe in the, uh, in the, the military and uh, working as a, as a physician in the military uh, should, should be of help to him in, in this case as it's, uh, it's nothing serious, but. Master Bruce. Master Bruce! Alfred! Your nachos, sir. Let's get that bandaged. Merely a flesh wound. I do believe my military medical training has equipped me to deal with such injuries. And that would be for... Don't know yet, but it sure is cool. If only the engineers at Wayne Industries knew their cutting-edge tech was being used to assist the Batman. If only we could build a cleaning robot to assist the Batman's butler. Uh, as uh, he he does suggest, by the way, that that Bruce perhaps instead of working on a uh, on a Wayne Enterprises funded Batman mech suit, that he could perhaps work on uh, developing a cleaning robot. Uh, to help uh, around Wayne Manor rather than uh, rather than just things that help Batman. But uh, yeah, Bruce kind of laughs that off. But uh, <laughs> we, we we learn that uh, the police are still in the case of uh, of Batman and trying to kind of work in and around him uh, as we get a sh- we get shots of, uh, of both of our of our star detectives. Uh, we have uh, Detective Yin and Detective Bennett who are kind of discussing the goings on in and around Gotham. And uh, we get uh, we get a, a a I guess at this point, it's a, it's a standard in Batman. Uh, we, we got it later on in the Christopher Nolan films. I guess that was after this, right? Nolan films were 05 or 06, I think. So, yes, Begins is definitely like summer of 05. So. Okay. So the I, I, I much later than that would we get the the attack on the armored uh, or the the police uh, the the police that the Joker does where in the middle of uh, of Gotham so mm-hmm. uh, maybe some inspiration probably not just a happy coincidence from Christopher Nolan here but uh, we get an armored car attacked in the middle of Gotham as uh, they are ambushed by Bane who is there uh, looking to seemingly rob the armored car. But we learned very quickly, he's not really interested in the money. It's a trap. And uh, he's set up to, uh, to bait Batman who gets an alert. Uh, he's on his way there and he arrives and realizes that uh, with the armored car broken into knocked over uh, and uh, the money still remaining in the vehicle, it is in fact a setup. 
And then it uh, it appears that uh, not only did did Bruce uh, hear the the attack on the armored car happen, but we also get the detectives in route. Uh, so there's all this. Uh, they're set to arrive just as Batman encounters Bane for the very first time. And uh, as Bane introduces himself, as is uh, as is tradition, uh, Batman does not fare very well in his first fight against Bane as uh, Bane immediately sort of uh, goes toe to toe with Batman, kind of gives some fisticuffs, but uh, the scales are unevened once Bane introduces this uh, this chemical that is that is uh, that is implanted in his veins on his wrist. He grows to a, I dare say, an incredible Hulk size uh, type character mm-hmm. in, in this a uh, lot of Hulk in this this uh, Bane's DNA is. Uh, he's able to wrap his hand completely around Batman's waist and really does a uh, does number on him, th- punching him, throwing him around. A lot of violence, a lot of action. Batman does his best to lay some punches in, but ultimately Batman gets thrown and uh, cl- thrown through a brick wall, which partially collapses on him, seemingly leaving him defeated. Bane also seemingly at this point believes Batman is defeated and uh, and leaves him in the dust, quite literally, as we get a commercial break cut of Bruce grasping a brick, but then sort of releasing it. And uh, when we come back, Bruce is still down and uh, trying his darndest to get his uh, his faithful butler's attention as he rings Alfred and tells them that Where's a mask? The Batman? Bigger! Threw the Batman through that wall! Okay. If a dude were buff enough to toss bats through bricks... There's no way the Batman could have walked away from it. So where'd he go? That's right. And uh, as, as fate would have it, while Batman is in no condition to uh, to get himself out of that situation detectives yin and bennett arrive on the scene and are sort of surveying the uh, the scene and they notice of course that not only is there all this wreckage but that the uh, that the batmobile is still there so as they are looking for uh, for batman we see that he is uh, shot off his grappling hook and is hanging uh, pretty precarious precariously by his one good arm as he tries to uh, to hold on and keep out of sight long enough for Alfred to uh, rescue him. He's almost discovered when a, a little droplet of sweat rolls off, uh, rolls off his face and, and nearly uh, it drops right next to detective Yin, but he's able to get out of sight uh, just, uh, just barely. And then we see Alfred uh, low- lowering him down, uh, the other side of a bridge and uh, getting him into the car in the alley. And uh, he gets, uh, he gets him on a getaway. And thankfully Bruce is also able to activate the bat wave TMCR 
and uh, and get the Batmobile to uh, to autopilot itself home. So there's no uh, no further evidence at the scene for the cops to recover. And uh, as uh, as Alfred is driving him, he uh, he notes that he's got to he's got to get Bruce to a hospital. But uh, but Bruce is very persistent that he not take him to a hospital that he can't uh, that he can't do it. And uh, and uh, and Alfred sort of uh, has a, a bit of a flashback to a different time that he was called to pick uh, to pick Bruce Wayne up. And then, of course, being the night his his parents were died. We'll talk about that, I think, in visuals a little bit more. It's a very uh, it's a very visual storytelling in that scene. But of uh, of young Bruce in the uh, we just see a flash of young Bruce in the police station and a, a young police officer with the uh, with orange hair and a mustache not sure who that might be mm-hmm. but uh, comes and uh, comes and tells Bruce that someone is here to pick him up and we see we see Alfred make a promise to Bruce there that he can't replace his parents but that he'll always be there for him which uh, will come back a little bit later as well and as uh, as we come back to present day, Alfred is uh, still kind of arguing with Bruce about taking him to the hospital. He tells him that he doesn't have the medical expertise necessary to take Bruce uh, and solve his uh, solve his injuries without a hospital. But of course, right as he's about to pull into the parking lot, he sees that there are already cops positioned there. As uh, as Ian and Bennett had thought to uh, put a call out to all of the local hospitals to check in on any uh, any new patients that have broken bones so alfred against his better judgment decides not to take bruce to the hospital and instead takes him home to try to uh to try to take care of his wounds and actually i think that's when he has the, the flashback to bruce in the in the uh, police station but it's mm-hmm. it's it's clear that this is uh again it's funny you mentioned there's there's a lot of what would end up being in the chris nolan <laughs> films across all three of them but one being that uh, this version of Alfred, especially, um, really doesn't want him to be Batman. The police can't handle Bane. Neither, apparently, could the Batman. Ahem. Do try and rest, sir. I've spread word you'll be on holiday for some time, so no one should come bothering. Alfred, Gotham needs the Batman. Sir, I don't want to speak out of turn, but... If Gotham thinks the Batman is no more, perhaps it is for the best. Perhaps Bruce Wayne can heal and finally get on with his life. Yeah. Like, it, it, it hurts him to see Bruce go out and kind of throw his life away in, in Alfred's eyes and, and not really live a life. And, 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 and we'll, we'll get to that, but he... Uh, Bruce is able to hold on at least well enough to uh, to survive the night, and Alfred's able to set his bones. But uh, it's going to be a long road to recovery, and uh, we see that as we cut to three weeks later, and uh, Bane is still uh, has kind of just made uh, made the city uh, his for the picking at this point. Yeah, we get a a news report uh, stating that crime has run rampant. We get a shot of both of our lead detectives investigating a uh, a, a decimated storefront, mentioning that Bane uh, was was responsible for the destruction. And uh, they're questioned by our our nameless, faceless reporter, who uh, I guess he's not faceless. He's got he has a pretty uh, pretty recognizable face. Uh, but our nameless reporter, who uh, who checks in and uh, just 
wonders what happened to the the Batman. And uh, that's when Detective Yin uh, lets them know that as of now, the police are working as if Batman is no more. She uses very specific language there. So uh, mm-hmm. it's classic comic book language of, of the, the hero being no more. Won't mm-hmm. say he's dead. Won't say that he's, you know, he's deceased, but he's just he's just no more. But uh, and that's when we cut back to the Bat Cave, as we realize, of course, that uh, Batman is still there. He's just kind of working quietly in the shadows. And as we talked about the parallels to the the Nightfall storyline from the comics, uh, Batman is in a wheelchair. I guess he's his back technically not broken, but uh, he is in need of a wheelchair. As we see uh, the the work that Alfred did has gotten him up and around, but he's still weak and he's working on this, uh, this bat mech suit still the bat bot. And uh, he's trying his best Alfred protesting again, as you mentioned the DNA of this Alfred uh, he's very much the father figure uh, and taking that role very seriously does not want Bruce to go out and put himself in danger. Bruce, of course, ever the hero uh, declares that it's his responsibility that Gotham needs him and uh, it looks like we're going to get a, a uh, straight up homage to what actually happened in Night Quest, which was the follow up to the Nightfall storyline, which it was uh, Alfred quitting and leaving Bruce after uh, Bruce refused to kind of stop trying to be Batman, even as he was bound in a wheelchair. Uh, that story is a little bit more, very different and a little bit uh, a little bit more complicated to try and go into. But essentially, Alfred did indeed quit based on the fact that Bruce refused to uh to stop trying to to be batman and heal so uh we kind of get the tease of that as he threatens to to walk away but the very last second he notices that bruce is continuing his work and struggling on this suit and decides uh that he's going to he's going to help bruce he's there to support him that's what he's going to do even if he's as stubborn as he is and uh, ultimately, he's going to fulfill his role as a as a butler before he does as a as a caring father. But uh, yeah, so he he goes to help Bruce continue finishing the the robot suit. And uh, we cut to the Gotham City Bank where we get a a uh, a Bane break in. We learn that Detective Yin is responding to a call as Bane continues his rampage of destruction. And uh, she shows up there in an attempt to stop him. Meanwhile, they know they know this guy like <laughs> is more powerful than any normal human being because of the destruction he's caused. Right. Mm-hmm. She shows up with a pistol uh, by herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, no body armor, no sort of backup, nothing. She's just got a pistol in hand and she thinks that she's going to stop the beast as he's uh, he's tearing into and ripping a bank safe out of a wall. Um, and uh, not just like a little like tiny safe, like one of those gigantic (laughs) bank safes, like a cartoonishly Mm -hmm. large walk-in bank safe. He's uh, Scrooge McDuck's uh, fortune behind that door. Precisely. Something you'd see in the Fast and the Furious attached to like the back (laughs) of a car. And and she's going to stop him. But of course, uh, he he, he pays her almost no mind. And uh, it appears that uh, Detective Ian is about to meet her end when, thank goodness... Here comes Iron Man. <laughs> well, you mean how you how else do you fight the, as we found out in our April Fools episode earlier this year? 
how else do you fight the Hulk? But you get yourself some Hulk busting armor. That's right. Um, I mean, the Batbot, of course. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Available at a toy store near you. I was ready uh, for the. I was. I was just waiting for the for the Iron Man cartoon theme to come. <laughs> would have. I feel like it would have fit that scene very well. You know, when he breaks in and stops him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do a little editing, and this will be our uh, our reel for the week. Hell yeah, love that idea. But yes, uh, as we we get uh, we get a bit of fisticuffs there, and while Bruce is more of a a physical match for him in the bot, he's still injured soul, and uh, the bot is still sort of a prototype. So Ian Bain spill out of the bank and fly across almost to a building across the street, and as they continue their fight, the bat bot begins to break down. He loses one of his arms and uh, Bane cuts it off with a uh, with like a blade of a helicopter mm-hmm. and uh, and is uh, it seems as though he's about to carve open the uh, proverbial tin can here. He says he's going to expose. He left Batman with some dignity last time, but this time he's going to unmask. You cannot beat Bane. some dignity last time but now I will unmask you then break the rest of your bones As he does, Bruce notices a, a loose electrical cable that is there, and he's uh, he's not quite able to reach it with the his one good robot arm. But he fights through the pain and grabs a hold of it and uh, and jams it right into uh, Bane's little venom port on his wrist, which causes a sort of an electrical chain reaction that fries Bane from the inside out. And uh, and lets him down easy. And uh, Bruce, in a much more cheery mood this time, asks uh, once again. Al asks Alfred to come pick him up. And then uh, we just get a little bit of a, an epilogue here, where uh, where we see Bane being led away in handcuffs, and uh, Detectives Ian and Bennett have a another brief conversation, as a, as is a theme of this first season that. Uh, Bennett is uh, is very clearly a, a guy who believes in the law, but also more importantly believes in right and wrong, and uh, knows that the the police are not enough to stop things like Bane, as just evidenced by uh, by what Bane was able to do while the Batman was out of uh, uh, was out of commission for a little bit. So Yin reminds him that despite the fact that the Batman saved her life and uh, and did capture Bane, that this doesn't change anything, and they'll still have to hunt him down and. Bennett kind of reluctantly agrees to that. And we then cut back to the Batcave for one last little humorous bit as we see the uh, the suit up sequence is apparently Batman's going out to uh, fight crime back in his regular suit out of the cast. But uh, as he throws on one of the gloves, he uh, he tweaks something a little bit. He's, he's trying to move a little bit too fast. So just tells Alfred he's got to watch those sudden movements and then heads off into the night. He's back. So fun little ending there to wrap up the plot for this week. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can kind of briefly just touch on as, as we discussed, as we were kind of going, I, I do like that they adapted uh, and uh, some of the, some of the parts of nightfall without it being a straight up rehash. Um, I like the idea that he was quote broken in the way, in an own way, his own way. Like he wasn't, we didn't do the, we didn't do the spot where his knee comes up and his back is broken over him. Instead he gets thrown through a brick wall. Uh, which is brutal in and of its own right in uh, its own right. But um, yeah, I, I like those elements that you can recognize the Hey, you know, these, if you, if you know them spots, but they weren't, uh, they weren't so heavily reliant on the, the source material for the Bane character. Um, with that said, it's not a lot of, it doesn't feel like because of the pacing of the episode that there's the stakes are that high. Like you have the little bit of tease of, you know, is Alfred going to walk away? Is Alfred going to abandon him in his time of need um, simply because he's too stubborn to see that, you know, he's he's injured and maybe should consider resting. Um, We don't really quite don't really quite know or understand that. I guess the time that takes place between the end of the Bane saga and how he's just back like walking around again, I guess there's enough time that's healed uh, mm-hmm. for him to just have minor aches and pains from moving. But yeah, the pacing of the episode is rapid. I I dare say it feels very, very fast. Um, and you don't have a lot of time to, to quite, I think, take in uh, the, the various different plot points that they say. So there's not, not a lot of breathing room for it. With that said, it's still early on in the series. I get it. I think, I think, uh, you know, when you introduce this character, as we talked about last week, especially in a series that was already under such heavy scrutiny because it's being compared to its predecessor, which was such a, a, you know, incredible legendary show, uh, you have to do something different to stand out. So you can't just rehash more of the same. Um, So I like I like the idea of bringing the character in to at, you know, by multiple uh, by multiple gang leaders, I guess, to to try and get rid of the Batman problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you don't really get much depth in the Bane character. Um, certainly not as much as as the original Batman animated series was able to get in, in, a, in the same kind of runtime. So um, a lot of that has to do with the action focus, I think. So, you know, that's it's just different styles. It's a different focus. It was more action than it was the actual storytelling um so for all those reasons i think that the episode is fine i think that the pacing kind of makes up for maybe a lack of story so it helps in that way mm-hmm. um so i ended up get but overall i i don't think that there's anything uh earth shattering or really really great here so i just went with a with a five out of ten what about you yeah i went with the exact same score um i think it's it's solid it's a fun little introduction we don't really uh, across the series bane does have a few minor appearances in the rest of the series but this is kind of his one and only uh starring attraction role in the series so um it's it's like i said i think it's fine uh we we've talked about how much they wanted to differentiate the characters visually from anything that had come before that and we'll certainly talk about that in visuals but i think unfortunately like you said because the focus is so much on action and the fight scenes which are a lot of fun um there's really not much uh much else for for bane to do he's uh he's just even more so than uh, last week and as we talked about yes he was uh in kind of a mercenary and a hired gun 
but he was uh you know he had this this sense of honor and this whole you know the, we talked about the whole super villain lucha libre thing going for him last week and this version he's just he's just a big tough guy who uh who knocks over banks like when he's done when he's done breaking batman he just he just he's just knocking over other banks so (laughs) there's not doesn't seem to have aspirations of anything higher than just uh just being a hired gun so that that's fine like i said it's a different version doesn't have to be the same as the comics or other animated takes or or what have you but yeah it's just uh it's not it's not that exciting for a for a take on bane i think probably the strongest stuff is the the alfred bruce subplot um but that is you know a pretty short amount and i also feel like it's a nice moment when when bruce drops the wrench and and alfred is about to leave and then turns around and comes back and helps him like it's very sweet and it's nice it's a nice moment we'll talk more about that in voice acting probably but it's not like they had some big knockdown drag down drag out argument or it didn't i didn't feel totally earned mm-hmm. um of of alfred coming back to help at that in the 11th hour there i feel like you almost need alfred to leave in a scene mm-hmm. and then you know maybe two other scenes maybe if you rearrange some things maybe if you cut to the scene in the bedroom first and and then he leaves and then and then you do the stuff with Ian and Bennett and then you you know you show the news reports of Bane wreaking havoc and then Alfred comes back maybe it means a little bit more but again you only had a certain amount of time and when this much of your your whatever it is 21 minutes is is uh, devoted to action and uh, and toys we got to <laughs> we got to move pretty quickly so uh, i don't put, i don't put that at the feet of the writer like i said i think it's just it's a it's a pretty basic uh, bare bones approach to uh, to a story in this case yeah i i do not disagree with you i i also i think uh, e for effort with adapting some of the more traditional nightfall night quests mm-hmm. parts there and and kind of trying to make them fit in and of their own way um so that's i think i may have gone with a lower score had had that not happened but i appreciate those homages and and the tributes to that character it's hard i think as we've learned with adapting the bane character into whatever medium you decide to you know introduce him into uh because you have such a a legendary and i think somewhat in the i think it's in the public mind of what that character did like I think almost everybody knows the Bane, the 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 Bane breaks Batman, uh, Jim Aparo image that we talked about last week. Like I think that's it's pretty much in the in the public zeitgeist for a lot of a lot of people. So mm-hmm. uh, the layman kind of understands and knows what the character is about. So when you you change any of that or it veers off in a different direction than uh, than what that story was, it's it's kind of di- a difficult hole to climb out of if you don't uh if you don't do something really great so it's uh yeah that's i think i think that's why both of our scores ended up being kind of kind of middle of the road there all right Liam, let's move on to our next category which is going to be uh animation and visuals and as you mentioned at the top uh episode directed by uh, a pretty legendary name sam liu who is uh, who's responsible for a lot of great DC animation and uh, worked on this this show a bunch too. So uh, let's talk a little bit about it. I slipped my uh, slipped my mind as to who you mentioned the animation studio that was that was responsible for this week. So we had Dong Yang, a uh, a familiar name uh, to us, and then we have Sam Liu as the director, as mentioned. 
Uh, another familiar name ended up doing a lot of work for the direct-to-video uh, DC features over the last uh, decade or so. So uh, yeah, some uh, some familiar names in our uh, our directing and animation camps this week. For sure, yeah. Um, so I I will I will give some highlights. I think that the bat mech suit, while whatever iteration of Batman you watch when it comes to animated uh, animated shows, I guess I guess the animated series didn't really have a mech suit, but you kind of got the fire suit in the new Batman adventures, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the tie in comics since then you got the, you got the dark Knight returns Batman suit as a, as a sort of mech suit homage. Mm -hmm. Um, But there've been many, many bat robots. uh, I would say this one's design specifically reminds me a bit of the, uh, the Alex Ross kingdom come like, Mm-hmm. bat sentries that he has kind of patrolling the city once he's uh, a little too old to go out there himself every night yeah absolutely there's there's definitely some of that in there i feel like there's probably some dark knight returns influence in the uh in the artwork too just kind of the big barrel mm-hmm. chest and the kind of wide head also kind of fits that but yeah i i'd say that's uh it's always in- i mean it's interesting it's designed to sell toys you know merchandise we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna sell this bat bot toy to to the children's but uh, yeah, I think I think it's interesting. I I I feel like the fight sequence between him and Bane in the in the mech suit, it did just bring back homages to any time that you've seen Hulk and Iron Man fighting. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know what it is. It just, <laughs> I just could not unsee once I saw it. It just it felt very much like an Iron Man fight. It actually ends up I forget which Avengers movie it is that he has the 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 Hulkbuster armor in it but it very much felt like that same fight because he gets he kind of gets ultimately gets the tar beat out of him and i think and doesn't hulk hulk maybe it's it your first mistake is trying to remember the movie avengers age of ultron the movie that no one remembers Uh, I mean, everyone remembers that they saw it. It made a billion dollars, but nobody remembers what happened in it. Thank you. I, at least, at least my sins will be absolved for that one. Alone, <laughs> but but yes, yeah. they do. There is a Hulkbuster versus Hulk fight in that uh, in that movie. It just gives you that same vibes. It's two. It's mm-hmm. one big muscly guy versus a robot, and the mus- muscly guy ultimately overpowers the robot to the point where he starts dismembering the robot, and the arms start coming mm-hmm. off, and the legs start coming off, and he's going to crush the robot. Because ultimately he's flesh and blood, and the other thing is just a robot, so he can dismember it. Um, and the the directors take advantage of the fact that the robot can be dismembered, and uh, it's it's kind of a plot device. But yeah, it looked kind of cool while it was on the screen. I like that. Um, I will also mention a couple of homages that we had briefly talked about. So the Bruce scene uh, where he's kind of laying with the oxygen mask on and uh, laying in the hospital bed. Uh, there's a pretty pretty famous sequence from Batman 498, and that art, of course, done by uh, the great aforementioned Jim Aparo. Uh, mm-hmm. He was responsible for that. But there's a sequence that that pretty much mirrors. The only thing missing from it is uh, is Jean Paul Valley and Robin, where I believe we're also in the scene in the comic uh, with Alfred, as opposed to just being Alfred and mm-hmm. uh, Bruce's conscious as opposed to unconscious. But again, one of those things they slipped in there that was uh, that was a clear homage if you knew it. Uh, same thing with Bruce being in the wheelchair, as we mentioned later on, and the, sort of the, the argument between the two of them, another homage. Um, there was another one that I picked up on, and I'm trying to figure out, I, I think based on our timeline here. So this came out uh, in 2004. 
the Spider-Man Tobey Maguire live action film that was 2001, I believe, or 2000. Okay, 2002. All right. So very famously, there's a scene in that movie where uh, where Spider-Man has just had a fight, his first fight with the Green Goblin, and he goes back to his house uh, just in time for Thanksgiving dinner to meet up with Aunt May and uh and uh and uh the osbournes and uh, mary jane uh peter shows up late he had to grab uh some sort of he had to fight an old lady to get uh what was it, the cranberry sauce i think or something <laughs> as the story tells but something like that in the process he uh he's in his room after after this fight happens he gets his arm cut and uh, Aunt May and the Osbournes walk into his room thinking that he's there because they hear something and he's on the roof. His arms cut because of this fight with the Green Goblin and uh, they're looking around for him. Uh, they cut to the, you know, they, this, the camera cuts to this giant uh, slice in his arm and you see the blood st- start to slowly drip. It drips down, just missing Norman Osborn's head. And then it hits the ground, which catches Norman Osborn's attention as he hears the blood drip. And then he kind of looks up, but uh, as they cut to the ceiling, Peter has uh, escaped. So I thought that that was a very clear homage uh, in this 100%. here as we have, you know, Batman arriving or uh, the police arriving to the scene after Batman has been uh, been incapacitated by Bane. He's waiting for waiting for Alfred to pick him up. In the meantime, he's hiding from the police. He's hanging above and he starts sweating viciously. They cut to the drip. It comes down and uh, and nearly misses our uh, our detective uh, detective Lin in, in the uh, in, or detective Yin I'm sorry in the in the scene and it drips and she looks up and he just happens to be gone so a very funny uh, cute homage to uh, to a Marvel property here uh, there's Marvel DNA in all of this I guess it's uh, it just goes to show you there's <laughs> some great uh, some great uh, tips of the cap here between the the robot versus Hulk fight and then the uh, the Spider-Man homage. Well, absolutely. And uh, I mean, you speaking, you've been talking about how how much the Bane represented uh, or looked like the Hulk. And uh, that's not a, that's not an accident, uh, to say the least. Uh, there's actually a post you can find on the lead character designer, Jeff Matsuda's uh, Facebook page from uh, back in 2013, where he put up his sort of original character sketch of Bane, both the, the smaller version, who he doesn't mention it here, looks a lot like uh, the G.I. Joe snake eyes when he's not all hulked out. Mm hmm. Uh, not sure if that was intentional or not, but that's uh, that's what it sort of homages. He has a sort of he has, has no there's no eyes or mouth on the mask. And he just kind of has this one little sort of you can see one little sort of piece that goes over the eyes. It's sort of a, that sort of combines the the top and bottom half of the mask. But uh, yes, when he grows large, uh, Mr. Matsuda mentioned that he, he wanted Bane to have a much more Hulk like appearance when he was on Venom and he didn't want to just do a, you know, a guy that got a little more vascular like had been done in sort of previous versions. He wanted a, an obvious silhouette and color change when, uh, when the Venom was coursing through his veins and Hey, mission accomplished. Uh, (laughs) Definitely obvious when, when he is and is not on Venom in this, uh, in this here episode. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's a lot of fun. We mentioned it's very action-based I think they did that first fight is about as violent as you could get on like a TV Y7 show. Um, like you said, there's no back breaking, uh, but there's, you know, he gets all tossed around and smacked around and 
And then the final fight when he's sort of digging into the 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 robot with the the helicopter blade and it's kind of piercing the suit and then you see it kind of from Bruce's per- perspective begin to break through and get closer to his face. Uh, the, yeah, I think the the fight scenes have some punch to them certainly, and uh, and yeah, that uh, some of like I said, some of the visual storytelling in that uh, the the flashback bit where we see you know we see young Bruce in the in the police station with the you see like a someone has put their their hat on him and he's you see the tears kind of flowing and he's just holding the the pearls in his hand and is just sort of flicking them around the string back and forth and then alfred comes up to him i was i was really impressed by that i think we talked about that previously when we did the robin episode but how they uh what what maybe the they were lacking in the more traditional plot or, or script storytelling i felt like was was made up in that moment. And you really feel that uh, the emotion of that scene is as Alfred arrives and, and sort of puts his hands on his shoulders and, you know, promises that he'll, uh, he'll be by his side forever and all that. Like there's a very, uh, there's a very, very strong, I feel like emotional storytelling told pretty much entirely through the, vi- the, uh, the visuals. And as we'll talk about in a minute, the voice acting, but spe- the visual is very strong in that flashback sequence. Yeah, I love that. I love everything. It kind of worked, uh, worked together, especially not having much dialogue initially. And you just kind of see the the pearls on the pearl necklace drop. Uh, and then it kind of zooms out and you see that it's Bruce holding it. And um, so you're taking those elements uh, that are have been done over and over and over and over again. Correct me if I'm wrong. Probably not because the first episode of the Batman involved that weird Joker story. But I don't think I don't think they had had they hadn't previously touched on bruce's origins necessarily so yeah there's there's a brief homage in that first episode where uh because alfred presents him with a cake and tells him to make a wish and he he says i wish and then he looks up at the uh the picture of thomas and martha but so they they had alluded to it but this is this is the first time seeing a young bruce and seeing you know kind of any elements of the actual night it uh it happened and Again, we always, I never know where to put sound design stuff, but there's also when that last pearl drops, we get like a close up of his hands and the pearls are dropping on the string. And then that last one drops and they just put a gunshot. Oh, yeah. It's the last pearl drops and it's, and they kind of slow that last pearl dropping very, very well. It's as we talked about slow motion and animation, not always easy to pull off either. So, yeah, that's uh, like you said, a lot of different things coming together there. Speaking of sound design, while you're talking about it, I will also mention that one of the things that they did to really drive home the fact of the transformation between Bane was they change his voice. They give him a modulator mm-hmm. on his voice. It gets deeper. Um, I think the transformation is pretty interesting. Uh, the way that they did it, they kind of follow more of the venom and then you kind of notice him kind of hulking up. You don't quite get the same visual that you did in the Batman the animated series, obviously, the sort of more exaggerated more subtle but and you kind of follow the pathway of this uh of the venom as it kind of lights up and and travels across his body um i will say also at the very end where he gets electrocuted it's a little it's not quite as brutal as i thought it was going to be but it's still pretty brutal where he jams the he uh, jams whatever this electrical cord is into bane's wrist and then he starts to like pulsate at one point uh Mm -hmm. kind of from the inside out as you mentioned and uh, after he's electrocuted and then it kind of things kind of backfire on him very uh, not as brutal, I think, as it could have been. But I think you're you, they were really, 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 uh, you know, holding to that TV Y7 uh, rating here in the States that to keep this for 
for kids. So they teetered on it, but didn't want to make it too, too brutal. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I mean, I, I think, I think it's, it's heavy on the action. As we mentioned, the fight scenes are the things that really draw your attention. Um, They're a little exaggerated. There's certainly more, uh, Eastern animation influenced, I would say, and, and a little absolutely less, less based in realism. Feels like Batman flies a little bit. <laughs> He's uh, very fast too. Like yeah. he almost teleports in in that first sequence. Mm-hmm. There's a shot where he. He like dodges out of the way of a punch and then all like, and he's kind of far away. And then all of a sudden he kind of just like pops up in front of the camera, like a, like a Looney Tunes character or something, but it's more Dundale straight kind of him moving, I guess, like a, like a ninja or something like that. Precisely. Yeah. You get a lot of that, that martial arts and Eastern animation influence here with the visuals, but overall I ended up giving things a a pretty strong seven out of 10. I didn't think that there was anything that would, that really, really blew me away. Um, but I, I do think that the fight scenes are pretty strong and I liked the, the subtle homages to the, to the, uh, the nightfall, uh, bits again. So seven out of 10. Yeah, I went, uh, I went just one point higher. I went eight out of 10. I think I just, uh, like I said, I think the two fight scenes and then, like I said, I, I appreciate the, the visual storytelling and even the more emotional beats I think is, uh, is really, really strong there as well. So yeah, very, uh, very solid outing from our, uh, from our visuals department. There we go. All right, Liam, let's move on to our music for this week's episode. Uh, That would be one Thomas Chase uh, accredited as the musician on here. And of course, uh, it's been a while since we've been in a season one episode. So let's let's give a shout out to uh, to legendary U2 guitarist The Edge Uh with our our theme song. Uh, the best Batman theme song out of all fans <laughs> uh, really sets the tone for the entire show. Um, the theme song itself, obviously, uh, pretty memorable for the uh, for the, the the guitar riff and the very very edge like uh, composition. But then uh, it sort of sets the tone for the transitions that go throughout the episode. I will say that uh, as we've talked about before, the music is, is less of a character as it is in Batman the animated series or the other DCAU shows. It certainly is more of a filler. They use it a lot for transitioning from, from scene to scene. Um, I did notice a little bit at the beginning, you get some, some hi-hat right off the bit, uh, right off the bat, some drums that come in that you're kind of setting the mm-hmm. tone for these, these mob bosses that are meeting some, not quite like a uh, read my lips jazz sequence, but uh, you know, it's, it's enough to kind of give you a, a mobster vibe, I guess, if you're, if you're hearkening back to the, to the heyday of the mob. But uh, you're uh, I think the rest of the 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 episode, you get music that's played for dramatic effect, usually some guitar riffs that are kind of played off in the background or occasionally I heard some keys, some piano that comes in that kind of, you know, drums up some of the drama. And um, I think some synthesizer that comes in, especially during the the uh, the flashback sequence of the police police department. Um but yeah, I, I I think that uh, the majority of the music is is not uh, is not the focal point as the action and a lot of the dialogue seems to be, but it does its job. I think it's it's uh, sufficient enough, and I didn't didn't find anything offensive or distracting. So I ended up going with a six out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I had a, the exact same score of six out of ten. I think it's a it's a solid outing. We've talked about this a lot. It's a lot of like uh, we punctuate those uh, kind of more dramatic moments where the uh, the end of a scene with just like the little the little guitar, the echoey guitar riff 
which I kind of like that as a as a an intro and outro uh, uh, to a, to a scene as well, and and then also just on top of what you mentioned, the, right at the end there, after we have our little humorous outro with Batman hurting his shoulder as he runs and jumps into the Batmobile, we get kind of a fun little uh, a little play on what felt like maybe almost a play on the on the sixties theme a little bit as he as he rides out there, uh, mm. rides out to uh, to to fight fight for justice once again so yeah solid a uh, solid job and a and a six out of ten for both of us there you go all right let's take it on home Liam, with our final category of the day which is going to be our voice cast uh, speaking about our voice cast a lot of uh, a lot of the people that we've talked about in prior episodes that we've uh, we reviewed in this else world but uh, i think it's worth a revisit as we have mentioned we don't visit it very often so worth talking about each of our players this week so uh, let's go ahead and talk about our voice cast that is right cal we have a, a few notable voices to mention in our supporting cast before we get to our main player uh, playing the mob bosses, we have Michael Bell, who uh, I'll only mentioned does a lot of uh, a lot of Transformers voices, so uh, probably a name you'd recognize. And also, maybe more importantly, the voice of Duke in the uh, in the '80s GI Joe cartoons. Ah, there you go. All right, and, uh, and your Snake Eyes tie-in right there. You had snakes. absolutely. You had Bane looking like Snake Eyes, and you had the voice of Duke present. There you go. Absolutely. And then we have a uh, playing Bane. We have a uh, Joaquim. De Almeida or De Almeida. Apologies if I'm uh, butchering that, but it's been things like the Fast. And, there's your Fast and the Furious tie-in. He's been, what do you uh, know? He's been. I think he's the main villain of Five, who is then like the dad of Jason Momoa's character in the new one. I I've never seen any of them. I'm just yeah. I, uh, but yes, yeah. he plays Reyes. So if you're someone someone who not only watches those movies but learns the character's name let me know who reyes is <laughs> but either way that's probably what he's most famous to i like i like him when he's just normal bane and then as you mentioned they kind of put this this voice uh, voice effect on him to really differentiate the uh, the bane voice uh like he again he doesn't have a lot to do he's just kind of a you know a generic and menacing bad boy but he uh, he does a solid job with it yeah, he's he's fine. I I think that uh, the modulator really drives home the monster type uh, type, uh, you know, feeling of his his transformation. But uh, yeah, I think in the the brief bits that we get where he does have to deliver dialogue, I didn't find anything terrible. In fact, it was it was pretty believable. It, he growls a little bit through his delivery and seems to be uh, not too happy with uh, with with having to go up against Batman. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he seems like he turned in a solid effort. Absolutely. And uh, and then elsewhere in our cast, we have, of course, Steve Harris playing uh, Detective Ethan Bennett, uh, Bruce Wayne's best friend and, of course, uh, the Batman's uh, would-be enemy, uh, maybe most famously for being one of the, the big series regulars on the show The Practice, which was uh, the precursor to Boston Legal, which is a much better show, but the practice was all right too. And then uh, playing, playing, uh, playing his partner in in, uh, in policing is of course uh, the great Ming Na Wen, who uh, folks would know probably most famously as the voice of Mulan. Although uh, more recently, she's had a turn in the Star Wars universe uh, as uh, Boba Fett's friend. What's her name? <laughs> um, Fanic Shan. Fanic Shand. Sand. Okay. Uh yes, Boba Fett's friend. She has robot 
stomach or something. Yeah. I, I swear I've seen that show, okay. but <laughs> that's right. But uh, yes, we have them both again, very kind of briefly in the episode. Um, but I would say our, our two main stars to talk about, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly for a Batman show, we have uh, we have Alistair Duncan as Alfred. And of course, we have Reno Romano, Spider-Man PS1 himself, uh, Reno Romano as the Batman. Um, yeah, they're and they're the main characters of the episode and they have the most to do. Um, I think I really, really enjoy Alistair Duncan. We, we've talked about it ad nauseum of how much we adore Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. turn uh, Jr.'s turn as Alfred in the uh, in the main animated series. But uh, with his passing, I really don't think there's been anybody else that's ever come as close to being just such a great near perfect Alfred as Alistair Duncan has. He's played him not just in this show, but in many of the other direct animated features and some, uh, some video games as well, I think. So just, uh, just love Alistair Duncan as Alfred. And as mentioned, their uh, kind of the whole emotional plot of the episode is built around their, their sort of father son relationship and Alfred's clear love for Bruce, but also for, you know, not, not wanting to see him throw his life away and kind of trying to give him some tough love and, and uh, before ultimately kind of acquiescing and, and agreeing to help Bruce uh, and, you know, understanding that whether he's there or not, Bruce is going to do this. So the best thing he can do to protect him is to be a part of this life and to, uh, to try to help him uh, from, uh, from afar here. Yeah. He's, he's really good. I think, I think, um, I think, I was really impressed with the fact that it, as we look at it, it's, you know, the second episode of the C- of the series, essentially, as far as production order is concerned. And uh, while Reno Romano has a decent share of the, the dialogue here, a lot of the emotional beats and the seemingly the, the, the lion's share of the, of the responsibility for the episode kind of goes to, to Mr. Duncan um, in the way that he both interacts with Bruce. And then we have the sequence where he's kind of just wistfully speaking himself, uh, you know, recounting the, the night that he picked up Bruce from the, uh, from, from the, uh, from the police station. So, yeah, I, I think he does such an incredible job. Um, you know, they're still developing, I think their own, um, their own chemistry here. You can still tell that there's still some chemistry that's developing here, but it's pretty evident that they have, they have sufficient chemistry. And it's one of those things where as the show goes on, it seems to just increase. So yeah, really, really impressed with, uh, with, with uh, Alistair's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty strong responsibility here that he's kind of able to, uh, to, to stand up with and, and really take, take hold of and, and uh, didn't, didn't really miss anything. I think he, he did a really strong job, and I think uh, what was asked of him was a lot, and uh, and he didn't didn't drop the ball. Absolutely, yeah. So for for all those reasons, mostly on the strength of our two leads, there, I gave voice acting a, a pretty strong eight out of ten. Yep, I gave it the exact same score, eight out of ten, uh, for that very reason. It's uh, it's solid all the way around. Those two have have the majority of the dialogue. I mean, outside of our our detectives and them bouncing off each other, and they have sufficient chemistry that it feels like they're they're truly coworkers. So you know, not a lot asked of them. So looking at the at Mr. Duncan's uh, you know, performance that that really I think is what gave me the 
the higher higher numbers on the score because it, it's really impressive that so early on here he's really grasping what this Alfred character's DNA truly is. And as you mentioned, it's a it's a slightly different take than what we've seen in Batman the Animated Series. Obviously, it's a, it's different, but he still has that fatherly role. But I think it just comes from a different place and his delivery and the emotion that he's kind of able to convey. It's it's not something I think that maybe Ephraim Zemblis Jr. was given as much an opportunity to do, um, especially so early on in the show. So I, I think I think that's that's doubly impressive. So uh, reflects in both of our scores for that reason, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, uh, like you said, still very early on in the series, better performances, perhaps by both men uh, later on. But like I said, I think the, you could just feel that uh, that very paternal, uh, you know, concern and love and uh, especially Mr. Duncan's voice in this episode and both in the flashback and in, in the present day and how he's he's sort of uh, aghast by Bruce wanting to get back out there. So, yeah, very solid job by uh, by our two leads. All right, Liam, let us total everything up now that we've reached the end of our scores. And uh, totaling everything up, I end up with a 26 out of 40. What about you? And I am just one point higher at a 27 out of 40. So not much different there. Um, we Like I said, we don't watch every single episode of this show. So obviously this is a rewatchability, not really in the traditional way that we normally grade that. But uh, as far as would this be an episode that if you haven't watched the show or haven't seen much of the show, would this be one I would say for somebody to check out? Eh, probably not. Yeah, um, it's it's a fun, solid little episode. Like you said, there are some fun uh, little homages. They do have sort of a mini nightfall arc with him getting broken and and having to sort of build build himself back up and everything, as you said, and, and the stuff with Alfred as well. So there are some fun homages if you're if you're a big Bane fan, I suppose. And but this is uh, like I said, it's a, it's a fine little 21 minutes. I'm not I'm certainly not upset that we watched it, but uh, I don't uh, I don't feel like this really necessarily represents the best of, uh, of what this series did uh, did well either. I don't think there's any reason to watch it unless you're on the Bane train. Like that's right. Account. If you got Bane on the brain, that then uh, you can uh, you can pop this in uh, between uh, the Dark Knight Rises and uh, and uh, that Batman the Anime Series. What else is Bane in? <laughs> probably uh, in a Lego thing. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, playing the first Arkham game, whatever you know, other stuff that Bane's in. If you got Bane on the brain, you can definitely you can definitely throw this on just to see a wildly different visual take. That's probably the strongest endorsement. Mm-hmm. I would give it. It was just because it's such a swing. We talked about that with the, the Joker design when we covered that episode. The series and, uh, and the series and Jeff Matsuda as the lead uh, lead character designer just took some real big swings and did not play it safe, which I do uh, I do really respect. So Absolutely. might be worth might be worth just testing out and seeing just a completely different, more abstract, more as you said, more Eastern animation influence style on uh, on the Batman here. So yeah, there's some there's there's some meat on the bone, but not a not a must watch by any means. You know, if your favorite podcast is doing a review of the episode, I'd say that's a good reason to watch. Right? <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. go. 
All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for checking out this Elseworlds edition of the podcast. Don't forget, uh, we would love your support for the pod, and there's several different ways that you can do so. As we mentioned at the top, you can subscribe to us on the Pod Tower. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast application like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, hit the subscribe button. If that podcast application allows you to leave a review, whether it be uh, just a star rating or uh, maybe it also allows you to leave a, uh, a little blurb about what it is that you enjoy about the podcast, we would greatly appreciate either one or both of those. So uh, if you do and uh, hey, if you leave us a review and uh, and uh, why don't you and you follow us on social media, tweet it at us or send it into our DMs and let us know that you uh, left it. Uh, you know, who knows, uh, you know, we might have a little uh, gift for you if you do. So uh, tweet or slide into our DMs to let us know if you leave a review. We would be uh, greatly appreciative of that. Uh, other ways to support the podcast, you can check out the show notes. And uh, there's a couple of links there. One is to our merchandise store. If you want to buy a piece of merchandise that supports the pod, couple of witty fun things there for you to get hats shirts mugs it's all there stickers even uh get pick one of those up if you want to support the podcast that helps us out or uh if you're uh if you just want to buy myself and or liam a coffee uh, you can use the little link that's down there also we have some monthly supporters they're people that support us monthly you can do a one-time donation uh, whichever you choose whichever way you choose to support us we greatly appreciate it and we appreciate those that do take their hard-earned dollars and uh, they give them uh, a portion of them to us each and every month. Thank you to each and every one of our supporters. Uh, don't forget also, uh, some good ways to support us is through social media at DCAU Review on Instagram and Twitter and uh, threads. That's still a thing. I don't think we're using it very much, but uh, hey, <laughs> if uh, if X slash Twitter goes, uh, goes the way one day, hey, people have been predicting it for a long time. This is it. This is it. This is the end. <laughs> Everyone's leaving now. They, they changed the logo. We're all leaving. All right. We're out of here. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that that holds true. But, uh, you know, follow us on threads. It's easy to do so. It's linked to our Instagram. So if and when we ever choose to use that site more regularly, you'll be able to get those updates directly there. Liam, uh, it is the end of the month of july believe it or not what a fun five weeks it has been thus far quite memorable some great episodes of batman the animated series and uh, this episode of the batman that we've covered but uh, we're turning the page for next month and we are headed back to some very sunny skies that's right we're going to be covering more static shock for the month of August, at least for the for the majority of it, we're going to have a uh, very cool special guest correspondent in the middle of the month that we will be talking with uh, that is connected directly with Static. Uh, had an incredible conversation with uh, with someone that's deeply involved with that, and I uh, can't wait to bring that to you. But before then, we have next week's episode, so let's uh, drop a little preview, shall we? That's right. We've got a uh, it's sort of a, a ended up being a, a theme we've got a pretty special deal coming at at least in the middle of the month that we'll talk tell you about probably at the end of next week's episode but uh we're kicking it off with a season two episode one of our last season two episodes in fact that being the episode attack of the living brain puppets 
We've got a, a very popular girl running for class president who also happens to uh, to have the, the ability to turn people into mind-controlled zombies. What else? <laughs> High school, am I right? <laughs> oh, man. No. But no, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about that episode, Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, next week. Can't wait to get back and, uh, and see what other wacky hijinks those, uh, those Dakota kids are up to. So looking forward to that starting next week. Going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.